Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Formula One season may be over, but fresh life was breathed into the driver market silly season by Nico Rosberg's shock announcement five days after clinching the World Championship that he was retiring from Grand Prix racing. This has presented Mercedes, which has said it will not announce his replacement until next year, with a big problem to be solved. After all, the big names are all under contract, while those who are readily available are far from proven quantities at the top level. My name is Ed Straw, the editor-in-chief of Autosport, and I'm joined first by somebody who might yet emerge as a contender for the drive, Karin Chandok. What do you reckon, Karina, for the challenge? Uh, I've sent Toto an email, but amazingly, he hasn't called me back. So, yeah, maybe not. I imagine you're on the call list. Um, I, well, you know, I think everybody is, but, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got a short list, which, uh, which seems to only have two or three names, which I'm sure we'll discuss. I'm also joined by Lawrence Barreto, who I think is unlikely to be in serious contention for the seat, no matter how desperate they get. But he has been in the thick of the breaking news surrounding this whole situation. So, Lawrence, no relaxed post-season for you after a, a busy year attending F1 races with all this going on? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I will rule myself out of that seat just to kick off with, just in case anyone thought I might be in contention. Um, yeah, it's been a busy season. Thanks to Nico for uh, retiring um, a few days after the season. It's kept everyone busy. Um, but at least it's got something to write about for the next few days. Can't complain. Lots to write about, lots to write about. Finally, we have Ben Anderson, Grand Prix editor of Autosport, who is a race-winning driver in single-seaters in his own right. So what do you say, Ben? I mean, that it's a big step up. I've no doubt you'll back yourself for it, though, knowing you. Yeah, absolutely. My door is always open. Toto, come and get me. Have you sent him a message? Uh, no, I don't have Toto's number, so I can't. Have, have you laid out, laid out your terms? I can send it to you. Oh, thanks, Green. Yeah, I think this is my shop window, so... How, how much would he... If how he's much... listening over Christmas, then... How much would he take <laughs> to, to do the job? Actually, I know how much you're paid, so uh, it's that plus about 20 quid, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a bonus. Um, all to be negotiated, I think. So I can confirm Ben is the cheapest available option. So if it's, if it's a budget team at Brackley, uh, he's the man. So getting a little bit more serious, of the contenders, it seems Valtteri Bottas is, is the guy in pole position now. Obviously under contract to Williams, so it'll be a complicated thing to extricate him from the deal. So what do we think of that? Bottas, experienced driver, proven quantity. What do you reckon, Kareem? I think you're right. I think he has emerged as the, the top contender. Um, you've got to think of multiple elements. A, Faltry is managed by Toto, partly. Um, he's, you know, I think he was managed 
um, day to day by Didier Cotton, but I believe that's not the case anymore. So, you know, I'm sure Toto obviously used to own a share of Williams. He knows Claire and Michael Driscoll Williams really well. So it wouldn't have taken too long for those phone calls to be made. And to, Toto's a smart guy. He, I'm sure he understands exactly where Williams is at in terms of their financial situation, in terms of their driver situation. So, um, you know, he would have made an offer that that would have resulted in something. So, um, yeah, I mean, it looks like Valtteri is on his way there. But I think the whole thing has gotten complicated by this Paddy Lowe situation where, you know, there's sounds like there's a high probability of Paddy going back to Williams where he started his Formula 1 career. And, you know, perhaps some sort of cross deal being negotiated where Valtteri perhaps goes to Mercedes, Paddy goes to Williams without any gardening leave so he can start straight away. So there's, I think that that looks like in the last sort of 48 hours, the most likely scenario. Yeah, I was thinking myself about the the Paddy Lowe situation, how that might feed in. But my understanding was that he was out of contract at the end of this year. So in theory, he'd be free to go to wherever he wanted. It it depends on the terms of the contract because sometimes you have a non-compete clause. So there's a kind of exclusion zone. I don't know the terms of his deal. I imagine that will exist. That's standard for high-level technical people. Generally, Formula 1 is it'll be a non-compete. So as I say, you know, you can see the dominoes sort of falling into place a little bit with that. Yeah, if that's the case, you'd definitely want to play low into that situation, wouldn't you, in terms of if Williams are minded to let... Bottas go and he looks like the natural fit for Mercedes I mean, he's someone with experience and of the midfield drivers you know he's one of the the better operating ones I would say at the moment yeah I I, I would really like to see Sainz have a go um I've you know I've said it before and I'll say it again I think he he had an outstanding season this year um okay Kvyat came into it in a in, in a slightly unusual set of circumstances from Red Bull but even against Max if you look at what Carlos did the previous year. He was very competitive, and Max has clearly stood out as one of the stars of the season. So, and, and you know, Carlos now he's got experience. He's very quick. He's an intelligent kid as well. You know, he's a really smart lad, and uh, I I would have liked to seen him have a go because also from Williams' standpoint, losing Valtteri is is, is going to hurt. You know, they've got Lance Stroll coming in as a complete rookie. They could do with someone experienced alongside him. Valtteri knows the team. They know him. He's got enough experience now to develop the car with the new rules. Commercially as well, you know, you've got people like Martini thinking, hang on a second, we can't have an 18-year-old Stroll alongside potentially a 22-year-old Verline. So I think there's, there's a lot of elements there, and it'll be a shame for Williams to lose Valtteri as well. So let's set aside... Valtteri moving to Mercedes, whether he's the right choice, the other alternatives. Lawrence, let's say Williams haven't got Bottas. Tomorrow they say, right, no, he's gone. What do they do? There's not that many experienced active drivers. Felipe Massa could be unretired. Felipe Nasa hasn't got a deal. Pascal Verlein has been talked about. Esteban Gutierrez is out of contract. They've got Paul de Resta on their books, who obviously hasn't been active in F1 for a while. It's not a great situation for Williams. So what, what should they be doing if Bottas moves on? Well, it, it is a tricky situation in the, the list that you just read out isn't stellar, is it? So I suppose that's why Williams are taking quite a bit of time to decide what they want to do. They don't want to let go of Bottas unless they're certain that they can get someone else in. And I think that's why Masses suddenly emerges a contender. He wants to keep racing next year. He left um, Williams and F1 this year because he realised that they didn't want to keep him next year. Bottas and Stroll were their priority there so he just wanted to make the decision himself he was almost forced into that so there's no reason why he wouldn't still have the appetite to still race next year a massa compared to a bottas is at the same level not really as we've seen over the last few years but that's probably the best bet that they've got at the moment if it's important to them to keep this relationship with mercedes who obviously supply their engines my big question mark with felipe he's a driver i do like and he's he's been up and down in his career but you know when he's on it He's strong. He's done a pretty good job for Williams. Is that I sort of saw a driver this year, almost felt like he'd already gone on one year too long. Sort of for mid-season, I think he felt he was checking out. Anyway, so if he if he was to come back, it would be a one-year thing, wouldn't it? But Felipe, come and do another year in Formula One in a team that's, you know, it's going to be a point-scoring team next year. It's not going to be winning races, even nabbing a podium. It's probably quite unlikely. So, 
while I see the positives of Massa's experience, you can plug him in, the team like him. Pat Simmons talked very highly of his performance in Abu Dhabi. He joked he was surprised why uh, why he was why he was retiring at all, given he could still do that. But you know, the determination, the focus, the desire has to be there. And if you bring back Massa for what's only going to be a one year appointment, because if he couldn't get a drive elsewhere for twenty seventeen after being out of Williams, why should he be able to the following year? What what are you just not going to end up with an unmotivated driver who is having a bit of a laugh on a farewell tour? I think Rosberg's announcement and, and you know the comments that have come out of him showed just how much it takes out of a driver to perform at the highest level today in Formula One. You know, twenty one races and if you're if you're out going out there to compete against the best in the world, the commitment that's required is massive. You know, I think Felipe had a pretty good season in 2015, but this year, 17-4 to Valtteri in qualifying, you know, 85-53 on the points. He's, you know, he's ended up a long way behind. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I take Lawrence's point of when you look at the market, you know, the, the, the alternatives don't particularly stand out for Williams. Just to be clear, are you a contender for Williams? Would you... <laughs> I'm I'll, a contender for everybody, Ed. I'll drive anything <laughs> anywhere. This, this is a little a, a job advertisement for you. You can say Karun Chandot will work for I'll work anything. for free for, you <laughs> This know. is what you're doing now. You already for drive now. for Williams, though, don't you? On the I do. Side, I, do. So I drive, I drive the loud, fun cars. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're building up uh, some really cool ones for next year for the 40th anniversary as a sidebar. So is it going to be Karun Chandok, second driver for Williams next year in the FW14B? Yes, basically. Active suspension's back. Paddy's coming back to run the active program, you all, see. All That's the big secret. It's all, all fitting together now. All you need to do is grow a moustache yes. and get a bit of a brummy accent. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think we've gone a bit off. A bit we off have. There, but no, I think, um, sorry, just to finish up, I think Lawrence has a good point. And it's a really tricky situation for Williams. And it's not one that they would have wanted to find themselves in. I would prefer them go for someone um, younger, just with a long-term view. Um, I understand, obviously, Verline's only had a year's experience. Uh, but again, it's tricky. You know, If they didn't have stolen the other cars, a complete rookie... I'd say you'd want someone like Giovinazzi or Gasly, you know, complete rookies with a lot of potential. But they can't go into it with two rookies with the new rules. Verline's got to be the best shout for Williams, hasn't he, if if they lose Bottas? I mean, ideally, if Williams are a serious team and they keep talking about wanting to get back to winning world championships and fighting for wins regularly, they need to keep Bottas because, you know, he's their best driver. He's become their reference point. And if you're serious about progressing, you need to hold on to your best people if they're prepared to let him go. As we've discussed, they leave themselves exposed to you know running kind of unproven drivers. But if they end up in that situation, like Verlein's got to be the best bet. He was the outstanding rookie this year in F1. He's a Mercedes junior driver, um, so you know why not plonk him in the car and see what he can do. But what do you reckon, Lawrence? I mean, obviously you've made a very cogent argument for Massa. Um, obviously, I raised the motivation element. I mean, what, what did you see of him this year? Do you think that there's a there's another a lap in the tank, so to speak? Well, I didn't think the start of the season was that bad for Felipe. Um, I thought he was reasonable compared to Valtteri. I think it was the point when he made his decision to retire, just as Jensen did. And I think Jensen mentioned this as well. You kind of just ease off a bit without really knowing that you're easing off. So I think that would have had an impact on it. And he kind of went on a farewell tour, just like Rosberg's going on now after winning the World Championship. So I think that I think there is something left in the tank with Felipe. But the other benefit of having Felipe next year is that he can plug straight back into the team. Points early on in the season with new regs are so important that those points might be crucial come the end of the season. Yeah, but I, I'm not convinced Felipe chose to retire. Um, in the same way that I'm not convinced on Jensen either. You know, I think in both instances... It was a element of this bloke's coming along. He's taking your seat. There isn't a seat for you, and uh, and and you know I'm pretty convinced Felipe had conversations with a couple of other teams as well because he does want to keep racing. So yeah, he was I, definitely looking. For, I, I think it's for a slightly option. different thing. Um, I think the other the, the other thing that slightly confuses me going back to actually Ben got a really good raised a really good point about you know Williams trying to progress back from fifth where they finish this year, they want to come back forward. You know, on one side you look at it and say, okay, there's obviously going to be a commercial benefit if they sell Valtteri to to Mercedes. 
But and, that, and that'll be quite a bit of money because I remember when Ferrari were looking at Bottas, they did make a serious offer yeah. to buy him out of the contract, but, but then it, which I, was short of the amount. But yeah, you know, if it's as simple as Mercedes hitting the buyout, it's going to be a assuming there's not a new deal, it's going to be a that, high number. But you have to contrast that to if you lose your established experience number one, are you going to lose prize money? Are you going to lose points money? You know, there the, the, there is a balance there. Okay, one is guaranteed bird in hand versus something else is down the down the line potentially but you know if if they are as as banderson said trying to fight to compete against the the likes of force india and you have to think mclaren are, are coming going to come along and renault potentially going to come along you know they they got to keep that in mind haven't they and williams have been here before of course when they promoted bottas that was partly because they were running drivers that were bringing budget but weren't scoring the points and they calculated that they were losing more in lost results from running those drivers with money 2012 was, it, was a great example of that when the they had a good car pastor maldonado had some good qualifying performance he had a bit of bad luck but he threw away a lot of results bruno senna performed pretty well in the races actually but he just couldn't qualify and he was always playing catch-up so they could have been right not right up there in the championship but they could have been a good few places higher in the championship so that that is part of the part of the equation certainly but just just coming back to sort of finishing off the Williams options obviously there are a few other active drivers Felipe Nazar out of contract was at Sauber has had involvement with Williams before Esteban Gutierrez is anyone personally I I wouldn't seriously look at those unless I had to does that, is anyone going to make a case for those? No, I think it's, for me, you've got to try and keep Bottas if you can. If you can't, assuming because, they can't. Yeah. But assuming you can't because you don't want to stand in the way of his career and Mercedes are going to do whatever they can to, to get him, then for me, it's got to be Verline as the, the next best option. You know, he's shown really well in the manner. There's a Mercedes link already. He was able to do things with that back of the grid car that were quite exceptional. And you look at that and go, well, he's got the potential. It seems like he can adapt very quickly. So although the master option looks sensible in terms of continuity and having experience I think you know we've talked before about Formula One teams being a bit too conservative with drivers and not backing those that show promise and and real ability and I think of the options that remain he's the best one what about Jensen he's under contract to McLaren Honda isn't he yeah okay fair point but I, I think I, there's also the same problem there with Jensen as you have with Massa yeah you know, I think he's going to quite enjoy this. But, but this at least, out. but I thought Jens, Jensen pushed Fernando a lot harder this year than Massa pushed Bottas. I'd Do you not think? I'd agree with that in the early part of the year till he made his decision to to stop. <clears throat> but it also took a lot out of him. And I think, you know, we talked about Massa not really wanting to stop and you know, kind of being forced into retirement. Maybe Jensen too. But talking to him, he genuinely does seem to be a bit knackered from having to race. Formula One full time and give all of that energy the same kind of thing that stopped Rosberg in the end. So I don't think Button's reasons are the same as Massa's. I think he genuinely does want to break, which is why he's done this deal with McLaren Honda to kind of stay on and keep keep a foot in the camp. And I personally kind of do agree with Karun's point about going with youth, and that's probably one of the reasons that that's sort of my default position to go for a, a good young driver, which is probably why I kind of lean against the the sort of Massa Button options. Which there's a lot to recommend them. They're not. They're not. They're sensible choices, but yeah, you do want to go for that for that young driver with something to prove, with the motivation. Verline had some very good high points this year. I remain to be convinced he's in the same class potentially as Esteban Ocon. I think Force India and Mercedes would probably agree with me on that. I think one one good argument for Verline is that he's done a lot of running on the 2017 tires for. He Mercedes. made that point at the All Sport Awards actually, and, and that's yeah. that's a. That's an important. I point. think. I think. I. I don't think that's enough to qualify him for the seated Mercedes, but I think if if when we're, we're now talking about Williams, I think that would give him an edge over some other people. We talked quite a lot about Williams, so we can look a bit more at Mercedes now. We talked a bit about Bottas. I think he's a logical choice. I think people have got the impression he's quite a boring, safe driver, but he's a he's a very good driver. You know, we've all watched on Friday mornings. He always impresses me in FP1. He's very yep. good at picking up what the grip level is, you know, picking up the pace. You don't see him massively out of shape like some of the other drivers. He doesn't take ages to get tuned in. You know, that there's a lot of ability there. And just because the Williams has gone backwards since 2014 and kind of his star has seemed to wane in the public eye, he's still performing at a very high level. You know, this is not a, a conservative number two who's going to be half a second behind Lewis Hamilton, is it? No, I mean, I don't think he's going to be 
at the same level as Lewis Hamilton straight away. But then who is? <laughs> you know, Lewis Hamilton is an exceptionally good racing driver uh, and, you know, is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. So um, I think... There's a couple of there's a couple of things for Valtteri. One is I remember going to the chicane. I think you were with me, Ben, at Canada. We went to the last chicane in free practice, and he was so good, wasn't he? Uh, you know, just hit the ground running straight away in free practice and looked so so comfortable and confident in the car, bouncing around, bouncing around. And, and actually, there were only probably three or four others that we thought really stood out. Sainz was one of them. Lewis was one of them. Um, you know, there's only a few, and he was very good. I think the other thing is that Mercedes have had quite a, a sort of tumultuous time dealing with the driver situation. So, so what you're going to say now is, would they really put Mr. Controversial, Valtteri Bottas, uh, exactly. into their team? Exactly. I, li- they, I like winding Valtteri up about being too controversial. <laughs> <so>. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think they, they, want, they want a sort of peaceful situation on the driver front, because really for a team with the car as dominant as they had, you know, winning 19 out of the 21 races. I'm not saying it's going to be the same situation in 2017, and I hope not. But for a team that's had such a dominant car, it it really shouldn't have been so difficult to manage. And I think they've had a lot of headaches and a lot of aggro. And I suspect Toto and Nikki are thinking, you know what, we could just do with a little bit less stress here because we can, we can just carry on. But you never know what you're going to get, do you, if you put... Bottas in the car this would be his big chance top team potentially championship winning car which he's not gotten close to yet so we may see a an as yet unseen controversial killer side to Bottas's personality I hope so. but I, I, I hope so I mean I'd love to see him rock up in Melbourne and qualify Lewis if it, you know if he gets the seat and etc I think it'll be fantastic for F1 because you know it's Lewis would have gone We've got rid of Rosberg now. I'm clear number one. All of a sudden, the new boys are qualified. I think it'll be great for F1. And Bottas is easy to underestimate, I think, you know, because of where he is on the grid and where Williams are on the grid. But he is, as we've seen, uh, tremendously good at getting straight on the pace. And his qualifying record versus his teammate, we know Massa maybe was checking out a bit this year, but still no slouch. He's, yeah. he's pulled, pulled some very special qualifying laps at times. Yeah. And there were a couple of qualifying laps where he really laid it on the line in 2014 to try and sort of split Mercedes. Sochi didn't quite come off, for example. But, you know, he's not he's not sort of a boring, I'll just plod around and do, do yeah, bank laps all the time. He's he, a he will very, go very for fast it. driver, no question about it. Yeah, his qualifying record against his teammate this year was better than any other teammate pairing on the grid. So you'd back him on a Saturday, certainly. And he does... He does bring the car home. He's very uh, uh, conscientious in the races. Maybe lacks a little bit of cutting edge on the first lap and at the start. Well, that, this is something but he's been, aware of that. This is something that's been it. an issue inside Williams for a few years. A bit of a talking point. They've looked at his performance there, and remember when he had the collision with Hamilton in Bahrain? I think that was Bottas trying to be a little bit more aggressive on first corners and maybe going a little bit too far. I think he was a little bit unlucky to get a penalty for that one. It was largely his fault, but you know, racing accidents and all that do happen. So that is a, an area of potential weakness, but yeah, he's a very he's a very fast racing driver. The absolute worst I can possibly see if Bottas does end up in that seat is he's going to deliver Mercedes a hatful of points and be a good team player. That's kind of the worst case scenario because he, he's not going to be he's not going to be a disaster. He's not going to be underachieving desperately. He's not going to be and shunting I, it every I, weekend exactly. Either, and I think he will actually be at a high level than that. Of all the drivers who say haven't won a Grand Prix here in consideration, he's arguably the lowest risk as well. Well, I mean, if you're Mercedes, what what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody who's going to consistently beat Red Bull and Ferrari. And that's it. You know, you're not necessarily looking for someone to be world champion because you've already got one. So you're looking really for somebody who's going to be low stress and make sure they can now qualify the likes of Verstappen and Ricardo and, and Seb and Kimi. And that, that's all actually they're looking for. Which Bottas has done. You know, when Williams yeah, exactly. have been more competitive, you know, when Ferrari have dropped the ball like they did in China this year, Bottas is in there splitting them. Same in uh, Sochi. Uh, Raikkonen had to work to get past him in the race. So you can count on Bottas to deliver that level of performance. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I was just going to pick up on the point that both Ben and Corinne have said about the strengths of Bottas. I think it would be quite nice to see Lewis put up against someone like that because people have often said Nico hasn't been a great competitor for him as a teammate. So it might be just quite nice to see him be pushed and see how he reacts to that. 
And also, we don't know how long Lewis is going to be around anyway. So if Bottas turns out to be decent, who knows if that could turn into a longer term plan. Yeah, you'd certainly, if you're Mercedes, have half a mind of how long Lewis is going to be around. He's always felt like a driver who might just have enough one day and sort of wander off Montoya-esque. Well, I mean, (laughs) when the the Rosberg announcement came, I thought they got the name wrong on it. You know, I, I, I I thought it's like Lewis has decided to go off and live in LA and be a singer or something I you know you it, it, it was it'd be less shocking if he disappeared overnight than than what Nico did so yeah no I think Lotus makes a good point I think if um you know Mercedes had absolutely free choice they'd probably go after Verstappen wouldn't they I get the impression that Toto's well, they've, they've tried to get him in the past haven't they exactly Toto seems to be a massive fan of Verstappen and, and more oh, than one occasion he? well exactly you know he's exciting and fast and obviously incredibly young as well, so potentially could get so much better. But Toto often talks about Verstappen. You know, team bosses don't tend to praise rival teams' drivers that much, but he's done it more than one occasion this year. So I think if he could go out and get anyone, it would be him. I'm, I'm sure it will have crossed their mind because that's the kind of first thing you do is you... We did a feature on Autosport.com and Autosport Plus about who who would we pick and various of us made different cases. And my basis was straight away, right, well, your first thing you do is you forget all contracts and everything. You say, right, absolute wish list. Personally, I put Dan Ricciardo at the top of it, but Max Verstappen is another one. The Red Bull drivers were always the least likely for there to be any chance of prizing them away. But that's what Mercedes would ideally have wanted. Had they had more notice on this, there would be another, at worst, proven Grand Prix winner in that car. Likely a a world champion. So uh, let's... I think you were about to suggest this, Green. Let's look at those, the sort of fantasy uh, Formula yeah. One elements. Um, obviously, Ben, you talked about Verstappen uh, as a contender. If 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 we well, were all, in, if we were all, gonna, in t- I was going to suggest uh, that we do this list with some degree of real, what's realistic. Okay. So, well, let's in, take in the, the sense, let, should we take the Red Bull drivers off the table? Take Red, yeah, I, I, I don't, fair. I don't think there's take Verstappen, Ricardo off. I'm not saying Torosa, but let's take Red Bull drivers off. Yeah, yeah. sure to buy the team. I don't think there's any way Ferrari, you could get them. Let's take them off the list. I don't think they were ever going to go. I mean, Vettel. I agree with that. Vettel was maybe there's a, a, a tiny sliver of hope. I don't think so. Bought out of the contract. Only one year. He's to brought run. into the Ferrari dream though. Has, has he? he? I think he's bought well, it. It's not going well, but I'm sure we'll come back to that later. Would he like to buy his way out of the Ferrari mm, dream now? I think that, that's may, the maybe one day, but I'm not sure yet. I think you know. Oh one, no, one I, I think if he could have got out to go to Mercedes, and if the option was there, there's no emotions of all of that. He 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 he. He would love to have the best car on the grid. I, I would. Ab- I don't think there's any question of that. And I think he's seen how difficult it is at Ferrari at the moment. Ferrari has gone backwards since yeah. last year. But hang on, let's finish up because I like this game. So let's take let's take the two Ferrari drivers out, the two Red Bull drivers out. Alonso's ruled himself out of it. But wh- why is that? Do you think? Because you just mentioned that you know Vettel would do anything he could to get in the best car. Surely Alonso, I think would, given how long he's waited for his contract, I think he's locking it. So I'm saying there's, there's, always, there's really always a way to get people out of contracts, isn't there? And I, 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 I feel the Red Bull ones, the mechanism would have been too ridiculous. But I, I, they're on longer term deals I think as well, aren't Vettel they? And Alonso, there's just that. Maybe it's it was it's, just it's the kind of thing where you think that's just about that's that's nine impossible, but let's just have a brief conversation Maybe just, just too, in case. Too, too much money, and for Mercedes to think it's not worth being, 50, I don't know, fifty million or whatever, and instead we can have somebody. Personally, on Alonso, I think Alonso would be a very bad person team-wise to pair with Hamilton. Alonso's a great driver, and it's a travesty he's not got a third world championship, and he's been driving around in cars not worthy of his talents. But you're going to have the worst possible scenario of two top dogs in the team. Hamilton will have the better qualifying record. Alonso's very good in the races, so you're just going to put them on a collision course in races some of the time, aren't you? Probably quite literally. So that, that for me, if, if I was Toto Wolff, I'd be saying, regardless of whether you can get Alonso out of the contract, regardless of how good he was, I think you just wouldn't go near that for, for that driver compatibility reason. If, Ham- if it was Hamilton that was gone, you'd want Alonso if you possibly could because he's a stunning driver. So let's pick... Three names outside of these five, because let's say these five are not going to happen. So, Carlos Sainz. So, well, you pick your three. Go on, Well, Sainz. Carlos Sainz we talked about, haven't we? Um, he's possible, although Red Bull and Horner said, no, he's off the table. He's got a one-year deal. Yeah, I think the same logic as Red Bull drivers applies, I, doesn't I it? But with I think there's a there's a bit of a difference with, with the Toro Rosso drivers in terms of being able to 
extract them. Potentially extract the, them. Certainly the financial mechanism to extract them would be cheaper. It you might be a loan can... instead of s- selling them, but it might be a loan to to Mercedes. Oh, for they, I don't money. think Red Bull would ever countenance that, would they? I just don't think it's realistic. I think in 2018, if they were still looking for a driver, so say they had a stopgap solution or it didn't work out, then science you'd put right at the top of your list as somebody who, once he's out of contract, you'd go after. And I think he would put himself in the frame for that as well, yeah. given that he said you know, on the record that he... He definitely wants to be in a top team in 2018, come what may, whether it's Red Bull or somewhere else. We're kind of in danger of eliminating everyone here, though, aren't we? I, no. I, do, I think. <laughs> I think yeah, no, I, I, I think there would have I been th- a way. I, I genuinely think for for science there would have been, you know, for the Toro Rosso driver because look at Red Bull's situation. They've got Max and they've got Daniel locked in for life or, or, or for long term. Yeah, and and they're a great pairing. And aren't they're they? a great pairing. They're they're young. They're they're going to be around F1 for a long, long time. They, they, they're probably the top four of any team's wish list. So why would you get rid of them? So really, I think Science would have had an opportunity to have a conversation and say this, that, and the other. Let's try and get out of it. I don't... We'll see. Um, I don't... You know, I think Valtteri is probably ahead on the list, but... The other I, I think I think for the, we'll consider science as realistic. Otherwise, we're going to end up with the options being yeah. Carlos Reutemann, Nigel Mansell, and Karin Chandler. Well, what about Sergio so, Perez? Because he's in a possible. similar situation yeah. to Bottas. Yeah. You know, capable midfield driver, podium finisher, lots of experience. Yeah, I, I think Perez would have been a, a good shout as well if he didn't commit to Force India in the way that he has. Because his is complicated, right? It ties into a lot of other sponsorship and commercial days. So... There's a lot of other elements that tie him in, which is why I think getting the deal done with him also took so much longer for Force India amidst the Renault negotiations and all the rest of it. So I think it's it, it's a harder one for him to extricate himself. Because mm. Force I, India would lose too much by letting yeah, him go. And yeah, and I think there's a lot of other elements to it. I Do you know what this is telling us here? We've We've gone through in the last few minutes the mindset Toto Wolf, Paddy Lowe, everyone at Mercedes will have been going through. It's hard yeah. to find viable candidates, isn't it? Because then you can say, well, Nico Hulkenberg, well, well, well yeah, locked down at Renault. Would he not be the bloke who's kicking himself the most? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine, you know... I German. wanted to be in a factory team, that's what yeah. he said, wasn't it? Well, he's he's German, he's quick, he's Same first name. They wouldn't have to learn a new name. name. Easy and cheap <laughs> on stickers. You know. Not for the surname. Easy for Tony Ross, so, yeah. at least he'll remember the name on radio. <laughs> <laughs> perfect fit, um, perfect fit. I mean, know, There's a lot of things, but he, he'd be the bloke, I think, kicking himself the yeah. absolute most as soon as uh, Rosberg announced it. I mean, my wild card may be someone like Roman Grosjean, who had a very up-and-down season. At his peak, he's mega. And Roman Grosjean, when Paddy Lowe was at McLaren, and they were looking for a 2013 driver, 2013, yeah, the, yeah they had Perez. Paddy Lowe, I'm told, suggested Grosjean. And basically got laughed out of the room. And of course, in 13, second half of the year, Grosjean was stunningly good. You know, when he's good, he's very good. When he's bad, he's a bit all over the place. And that all is a large amount of it hinges on the braking performance. But, you know, if we're looking for kind of realistic ones. Sadly for him, I don't think Paddy's going to be in this decision making. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, he could go to Williams, though, if Lowe ends up there. No, yeah, you, never, you never know. I mean, this is, this is the difficult no, scenario. I, I tell you what, Bandit, that's, a, that's an interesting show. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd look yeah. at that, wouldn't you? I, I personally think I rate it, Grosjean. I, I, I really always do. go. For, I always want to go for a driver who's got that ultimate pace, that ability. We've seen he can string together results, uh, operate at a high level consistently. That he's not hit and miss. We've also seen the bad side of Roman Grosjean at times, but you know this is a guy who can absolutely get the most out of a car. By his own admission, he's got to get the braking feel right. The braking, committedly turn in all that the the ARTAS and school the of thing driving. Is you need you need a car that's you need a good car for Grosjean, don't you? If the car's good, then he'll be fine. It, uh, his I, problem comes seems to come when the car's not quite right and he tries to get a bit too much out of it and gets kind of lost in a negative but spiral. I, I, the reason I rate Grosjean is that when there's a result to be had, and a team like Haas's situation, it was probably two or three weekends this year. He steps up to the table. Or crashes on a grid to the, a lap <laughs> well, to the grid. Yes, it is. That. That, that's the kind of bad side. Of that's, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he, he it, will get performance but, but out of a car that you don't see coming. If the car's right for him, I don't think there's a driver who's quicker. And I'd include Ooh, Lewis Hamilton in that. I mean, I'd go that far. Certainly, certainly he's I think, right up I there. think he is that good. I'm not saying he's quicker, but when, when he's happy with the car... Now, you can say that about any driver. When they're happy with the car, they'll be really good, but... You know, you need a, a wider he's, he's a peak performance driver, though, isn't he? Like Gary yeah. Anderson, often our technical yeah. consultant, he often talks about you know cars 
not chasing peak downforce all the time because if you can't use it then it's no good to the driver so you aim for a slightly lower level of downforce that's more consistent i see grosjean as a bit like that but what do we see what do we you know back end of 2013 that wasn't just two or three races that was consistent but we're talking about we're talking about grosjean to Williams, really. We're not talking I about Grosjean so. and Mercedes here, are we? I, th- I, think, I don't think he's a serious... I think he's not a Mercedes contender, yeah. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, basically, we've just gone through and explained why Valtteri Bottas is, is the obvious candidate, haven't we? He's, he's if a- we assume that the two Mercedes juniors, Pascal Verla and Esteban Ocon, are considered too undercooked to do it. We haven't really talked about Ocon. I, th- I, think, I think it's a little bit disappointing from the point of view of the junior programme as as loose as the junior program is that those two aren't really being seriously touted because you know Red Bull have shown the benefit of backing your young talent and pushing them up to a high level and taking the risk with them if you want to call it that so really given that Ocon's contracted to Force India Verlon would make the most sense if you could do a deal easily with Force India to extricate Ocon because as you said you think he's you would presume there's some mechanism in that contract with Force India I'm guessing I don't know that's an easy one but I'm sure there's some kind of recall mechanism and to be honest if you're they don't don't give them the discount or they don't pay the bill and you just extricate the guy exactly so so why not take a chance on one of those two personally I'd I'd go with Ocon because I think if you're Mercedes Force India had had the could have had either of those two as their Mercedes backed option and they were right behind Ocon. I rate Ocon. Yeah. I, I, I rate Ocon. Of the two Mercedes Junior drivers, I, I rate Ocon higher than Verlein, personally. Um, I, you know, I remember watching him in F3 against Max and, and people like Charles Leclerc and stuff. And he was mega. He, he, was, he was really, really good. He's a, he's a tall lad. And you know, he, he'll have to be shoehorned into any car. I think the Force India will be fine because Hulkenberg is quite tall as well. But um, you know he's he's a really really good peddler. He uh, didn't he didn't outperform Verline though, did he? When they would yeah, but it's that's you the know thing what I find interesting. Like everyone's talking up Ocon, and I can understand that because don't no, get me wrong, I, I Ocon, rate Ocon him too. Ocon was on a similar level though with without the preparation. Without the prep, look, he's he's been dropped in it with no testing. Dropped in it mid-season, it's really tough. He didn't do any pre-season testing. He didn't, you know, there's no mid-season testing anymore. They haven't got the extensive simulator programs like Red Bull or McLaren or Mercedes have and I think that's a really unfair comparison I think for him to be even even as an equal to Verline which I think he sort of was mm, I, I disagree with that I think it's, it's, think so? it's harsh on Verline isn't it that in a way Ocon can't lose because he no, comes he in Absolutely. and everyone says well he didn't have the preparation he had well, no, the uh, season, f- he had for no me. testing and he has a couple of events where he gets kind of close to Verline and then it's like, oh well, that Verline's no good. Well, for me though, there were the there were points where he's on the same level or a bit above as well. So you, I always feel, the less experience there is, the more you look at look to the peaks, and then as the experience grows, you expect the those dots of the peaks to be joined without without consistency. And yeah, then Verline oh. made what Q two with the manor four times after the summer break. Yeah, and they yeah. were teammates and yeah. Ocon, Ocon like once. Or did he even make it? I did Ocon make Q two? I can't remember. I don't. You know, he when when Verlon got it right, he was well ahead yeah. in qualifying. So, but then you had Brazilian you know, Grand Prix when Ocon was consistently a second and a half a lap faster. In the wet, yeah. Admittedly, uh, speaking to Verlon in Abu Dhabi, he said that well, we put a dry setup on the car, which is insane given Manor's situation. <laughs> I cannot believe anybody in that team allowed that to happen so I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical about that because you're defending 10th in the championship it's going to rain it's Brazil it's, it's, oh it's, we want to make sure that if we're going to finish 16th but, but also Ed, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something there's there's been quite a few engineers who I talked to in Brazil ahead of the Grand Prix saying you know how many of you went for a wet setup knowing it was going to be the conditions we thought and I'm thinking it was about four different engineers from different teams who said to me you know what? These days with the cars, well, that, that's true. There isn't, much, there isn't much difference. No, that's absolutely it's not, true. It's not like the old days where you're no. disconnecting bars yeah, 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 and this yeah. and the other. No, no, exactly. I, I'd agree. I, I remember writing a feature Japan last year when practice was a complete washout, and that's what the engineer so, said to so, me. Okay. That essentially, the car because of the downforce and the need exactly. to run it stiff for the aero platform. Basically, you run the car pretty so, similar. So here, to so wear. there. I mean, you've said, "Oh, Ocon got close to Verlon a few times." So, if we want to say they had roughly equal equipment at Interlagos. And Ocon was consistently, not just a few laps, you look at all the green flag laps, he was a second and a half faster than Verline. 
in tough conditions. In in tough conditions, that's worrying. You know, that's that's you know, Verstappen was excelling in those conditions, finding the grip. So Ocon was doing the same thing. So I would argue that Ocon had points where he was, you know, elevating himself ahead. Not consistently, I'd agree. There were weekends when Verline was stronger and Verline was getting into Q two. Abu Dhabi was an example of that. But I think we did see those peaks as well. Yeah, I think I suppose what I'm saying is overall they each have shown themselves to be yeah. really well, very good. So we get maybe we're unfair we're to write one off against the other. Doing a manner review. Let's get back to the okay. The premise is what are the realistic options? So we're yeah. saying Bottas, Science, Ocon, Verline. Does anyone want to add another name? That's another name to that? That's it. I think yeah. Realist- Realist- realistic. I think, I, think, I think realistically those are there. Okay, those four. Those okay, the so options, yeah. all, all things being equal, what, what would everyone do? Lawrence, t- factoring in everything, the fact that obviously Bottas is a far more expensive option than Ver- Verline would be. Ocon, there might be a little bit of cost to Mercedes, but probably not on the same scale. Science, you might need to spend some money to extract him. What, what would you go for? Well, picking up on Ben's point where he said that it's, it seems slightly strange that they're not back in their junior drivers, I'd go for one of Ocon and Verline. And based on the fact that Ocon got put in the Force India, Mercedes obviously rate him highly, both on track and off track. Force India talk about Ocon being better to work with. Um, Verline's admitted that he needs to improve the way that he deals with the team. He knows that there were personal reasons behind him missing out on that drive. So I think it's Ocon, personally, for me. Ben? Uh, I think... I'm torn. I'm really torn because I can see the logic of the Bottas argument, given his extra experience. But I think the cleanest option, and if it was me, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably go for Bottas. Green. I was thinking Verline, but I think ultimately Bottas edges it for me, given where he's at in his career. Okay, and Karine, obviously, we're excluding you from the contention here. Obviously, you'd back yourself. <sighs> yes. To, to be in the car, um, nobody <laughs> I, else will. I think, I. I think Bottas is probably the easier, cleaner transaction to do, but I think science is the more exciting choice. My answer is Bottas, and here's here's how it all shakes out for me. Controversial. No, well, Mr. Controversial. You put Bottas into the car, at worst you've got a dependable, heavy point scoring. He'll get some wins provided the car's a race-winning car. That's your kind of baseline. That's the worst you'll get out of him, which means Mercedes is going to be sorted for next year. There's some drivers coming onto the market the following year, but Ocon's going to have a year at Force India. Get Verline back into Manor or at Sauber. Actually, Sauber looks more likely now. He definitely should be on the grid. So they've got their two juniors who'll have two seasons or a season and a half under their belt. So they're options for the future. Sainz will be out of contract. Alonso could be back onto the market. Vettel could be back onto the market. All bets are off. Silly season next year is going to be great. I've just declared a start to the 2018 silly season. But you know, because so many people are out of contract. But but for me, your pick really, haven't you? For me, that Bottas option it keeps your options open for the future, allows you to evaluate Bottas a bit more. There's lots of good options out there. Science would be a mega. You know, Science has had an amazing season. Ben, you put in six in your top ten drivers of the season, and I'm. There's no way I'd argue with that. I think. Of, the, of the drivers outside the big teams, he was the best before. Exactly. So, you know, he's worth looking at. But Bottas seems to be the one that has the most elegant solution and ha- reduces the risk. Because put it this way, let's say, let's suppose Mercedes and Red Bull are at exactly the same level of performance next year. They probably won't be. But let's say it's a flat out, flat out war for who's going to win the Constructors' Championship. If you put Lewis Hamilton and, say, an Ocon or a Verline, up against equal Red Bull with Ricardo and Verstappen, there's every chance that the inexperience of the Ocon or the Verline will lose you the Constructors' Championship. That has huge financial implications. That has huge implications for the people working on the team. You know, staff in the team won't get bonuses for that. So that, you know, that that's kind of what the what the stakes are. And also, you could end up with if Mercedes is very fractionally better. The lack of the sort. If if there's a driver who's having a few weekends where they're not quite getting the best out of it, and they're dropping behind Red Bulls. That's very costly, isn't it? That can at, you can actually end year. up. Yeah, you can end up losing the, the drivers' championship. Yes. Hamilton Hulk, because of Hulk, Hulk this year. You know, as soon as you get a weekend where the Red Bulls are pushing the Mercedes, Nico was in fourth. <laughs> you know, it, it, when what, he dropped the ball. When he dropped the ball. Yeah. You know, so it is not okay. He did an outstanding job of qualifying, but come come the Grand Prix. And he was stuck there in the train behind behind the Red Bulls, and that you know, if if Red Bull gets closer and Ferrari, God knows what will happen next year. But if they get closer, you know, it's all of a sudden it can be make a big difficult. You know, I've got no problem with Ocon's peaks or Verline's peaks. Actually, I think no, they're both. I, think they're both I do good. agree, Ocon. Everything I hear about 
the way he operates about the performance like to suggest he's got that little bit more magic about him than Veyline. Veyline's very good. If the Mercedes is a race-winning car consistently through the year, both will win Grand Prix. No question. They'll have some days when they out-qualify Lewis Hamilton. Beats yeah. him in the race. No question. But I'm like looking for the... You're looking for the downsides, and Bottas probably eliminates all of those. And also, the Wolf connection means they'll they'll know how to get the best out of him. He's not going to... Th- I think he won't become Mr. Controversial, no matter how determined he is to make the most of it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the point you made about the Constructors' Championship and the financial implications is quite key, isn't it? Because if you're Mercedes, you've got to weigh up how much it's going to cost you to buy in a second driver versus how much you're likely to lose if you don't pay money for a second driver and put in one of your inexperienced junior drivers. That's the cheapest, easiest option. And they've basically got to assess whether, I suppose in this case, because he's not under contract, Verline will cost them more in prize money than it's going to cost them to get Bottas out of his contract. And it's probably why they won't go after someone like Alonso or Vettel, because it would be so much money to get them out of their contract. You wouldn't make that up in the Constructors' Championship. So I think we've sort of got a consensus here across the board. And I think I just want to take a step back uh, and, and look at it from a different standpoint, from a Formula One standpoint. You know, I mean, I look back 1994, you know, after Imola and Senna being killed, Prost is gone, PK is gone, there's no more Rosbos, Lauda, you know, th- there's a lot of big names. Schumacher's not yet, wasn't yet the star that he became. Damon was still sort of building. And, you know, Bernie realized F1 needed a star, went and bought Mansell's contracts from Newman Haas, brokered the deal for him to be, because he knew that F1 needed it. And in many ways, I think it's a sign of the times that that sort of stuff isn't going to happen anymore. You know, the the influence from Bernie over the teams and and the direct influence over that sort of stuff isn't there anymore. And I think in in I think that's also some. It's an interesting angle to look at it in the way F1 has changed because. You know, same thing. The biggest, the world champion's no longer there, and it's a big change. But it's also maybe not necessary in this case because Bernie said more than once that you know Lewis Hamilton's much more box office for Formula One than Rosberg is. So even though Rosberg's won the world championship, I don't think Bernie would be particularly concerned no, about this world champion retiring. Yeah, but uh, if you wonder if he had his influence, go to McLaren. There you go, boys. There's whatever it takes. I'm taking Alonso out. Toto, you're signing this bloke. Alonso versus Lewis, this is what F1 needs. And I think... I don't think it's a synonymous crisis. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just think, you know, if you're going rewinding 20 years ago, I think things like that would have happened, um, you know, just because he, he would have had a much more direct influence on what F1 needs as a show. And you're talking about the show, and I think that's exactly what all Bernie cares about, isn't it? That it's a good show next year. So plugging Alonso in next to Lewis is going to create fireworks. You can see why he would want to try to do that. So yeah, I take your point. It's also brilliant just to be sat here in December, not sure who's going to be in what could, what based on the past three years, will be the best car next year. It may not be, but yeah, it is brilliant to have this have this talking point because, you know, we got used to drivers. We did have it admittedly a few years ago when the, the Alonso and Vettel moves were, were quite late. That was Japanese Grand Prix weekend, wasn't it? So that was September. But it's not that often nowadays you have this. Often you have the the deals are s- sorted well in advance. Remember when Alonso went to McLaren the first time? It was done the like the, the previous December, wasn't it? Yeah, there were lots so, of pre-contracts. Yeah, Raikkonen so, so to Ferrari the first time yeah, yeah. was the same, wasn't so it? So Alonso would have been Alonso's deal was done December December two thousand and five for two thousand and seven. He spoke to Ron, didn't he, on the podium at Brazil, yeah. Lagos when he won the World Championship at Renault. Wasn't so, it? I'd love to drive for you, one, love day. To drive Lit- you one day. Little did he know <laughs> what he was getting himself <laughs> exactly. into. Well, that's a whole whole other podcast. So, well, I think we've agreed Bottas kind of makes sense. I think he, he does if uh, if. From the Formula One show point of view, which is what we moved on to, um, he does make sense if it's a close fight with other teams. And, you know, you mentioned uh, if Red Bull and Ferrari are right in the mix, then you need a second driver who's going to score consistently to avoid losing the Constructors' Championship. But if Mercedes are as dominant uh, again next year as they have been the last three, and Bottas is a safe choice, but he's not quite at Hamilton's level, then that's going to be a big risk for Formula One. In a situation where Mercedes are dominant, you really want someone like an Alonso Very or a true, Vettel yeah. in that second car to to make it the most spectacular title fight you can imagine. I'm not saying that Bottas isn't capable of that necessarily, but he's not proven. So it won't create the same kind of storylines and headlines in, and interest in people's minds, I don't think. 
Well, certainly, I guess our discussions here have shown how difficult it's been for for Toto Wolf to sort things out, particularly given the the relatively late notice he had, because he certainly didn't have a few months' warning on this uh, to decide what to do. We're going to have to sit tight over the next few weeks before all this is resolved, at least publicly, but it's certainly created a great talking point to keep everybody interested while we wait for the new look 2017 cars to break cover. You can keep on top of all the latest news and features on Autosport.com. Autosport magazine's mammoth Christmas double issue full of all sorts of weird and wonderful features is available right now. So thanks to my guests, Karun Chandok, still in contention for the drive, Ben Anderson, available for the drive, Lawrence Barreto, we can rule him out. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.